Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, the fight over the Treaty of Waitangi. The Treaty of Waitangi is sacrosanct. There's no question about this. This is an attempt to abolish the Treaty of Waitangi. I sense that the mania that gripped iwi in the seabed and foreshore is starting to trickle through over the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. We don't expect to be just spoken to. We want the opportunity to be walking side by side and working with you. Actually, Māori and non-Māori have been consulted, but act as opposed to treating people differently based on their race. David Seymour wants a referendum over the treaty principles. Acts policy, which has been set out in great details in our document, is to redefine the principles of the treaty. But Prime Minister Christopher Luxon has repeatedly said it won't get beyond the first reading. There is no commitment to take it beyond that. So you won't rule out voting for it? Well, there is no commitment to take it beyond that, and I'd just say as the national leader, our position has been well understood for a long period of time. But it's more than Axe Bill that's causing so much anger. It is the new coalition government's moves to cut the use of te reo Māori in public life, back away from co-governance, and roll back plans for greater Māori control over their health services. Repeal this, disestablish that, abolish this, all in the negative framing of the language. What is the plan, Prime Minister? So, 184 years after the creation of the treaty, what does that document really mean for our country? And what would getting rid of the principles mean? Lawyer Carwin Jones of Ngāti Kahungunu has worked at the Waitangi Tribunal, the Māori Land Court and the Office of Treaty Settlements. He now teaches Māori law and philosophy at Te Wānanga o Rokaua at Ōtaki. And he admits he's been taken aback by how swiftly things have developed in the last six months. In fact, I had some media interviews with folks from Australia ahead of their uh, the voice referendum. They were asking me about whether there was any challenge to Te Tiriti and its role in, in New Zealand law or public life. When I was talking with them, I said, well, we have the ACT Party who are proposing this referendum, uh, but none of the other major parties seem at all interested. I was of the impression that that we weren't going to be going as far in terms of the policy programme that the government has laid out, which I think is taking us back a long way in terms of Māori issues and Te Tiriti in particular. What is your feeling about the way things are? Is it alarm? Is it anger? Anger to some extent, I suppose. Um, certainly in, in many of the, the hui that I've been in since the government's uh, coalition agreements have been announced. There has been a real anger at the government uh, in terms of stepping back from its obligations under Te Tiriti, where I'm from in, in Wairau. You know, we've been through the treaty settlement process, which we thought was establishing a, a kind of new platform, new relationship for the government to work with us in accordance with Te Tiriti. And yet what we see now is, is the government trying to step back from 
certainly how it understands its obligations under Te Tiriti. I do feel a, a certain amount of anger at, at the government taking us backwards in that way. However, you know, this is not a, a situation which is really unfamiliar to Māori. We know that, that often uh, we are used as political footballs in elections and in politics. We know that we are able to come together and resist and, as some people have said, our, our kind of continued existence is resistance. Shall we take it back a bit? Because, I mean, <laughs> the whole idea of this podcast is to try and understand a bit more about the treaty, what it is and what it means. And I just wondered, when you talk about the treaty, how do you explain what it is? I often start actually by taking a, a, a step back from Te Tiriti itself and talking about the Declaration of Independence, which was a document from 1835, which was signed by Māori rangatira in the north. So that Declaration of Independence, he whakaputanga, the rangatira, declare that Aotearoa is an independent state. They use the, the Māori they use as whenua rangatira. And who is responsible for holding sovereignty? Well, the rangatira say it's us collectively. And importantly, they say us and only us. We are the only ones who exercise authority here in Aotearoa. So that's the context then in which we come just five years later in 1840 to Te Tiriti o Waitangi. For, for me, there are really two big ideas, but we know there are three articles and, and they each have something important in them. But when we think about what a treaty is, we know that a treaty is an agreement between two or more sovereign parties and what we would expect to see is that there's some benefit for both parties who are entering into this. That's why you enter into an agreement. So when we look at Article 1, we can see essentially that's really dealing with what the British Crown is getting out of this agreement. And in the Māori text, that talks about giving the authority of kāwanatanga to the British Crown. And so it's kāwanatanga derives actually from an English word, kawana governor, kawanatanga, those things to do with the governor or government, we might say. Mm. Now, what is really important about this is that that is a big shift from the context we had with the Declaration of Independence, where the Declaration said only the rangatira exercise authority here in Aotearoa. Te Tiriti is saying, well, actually, we're going to open up space for the British Crown to exercise authority over its own people who are here in Aotearoa. Uh, and so that session is a session of uh, the authority to manage British subjects who are here. And that's why the Waitangi Tribunal, for example, has been really clear about that's not a session of sovereignty. Māori weren't giving up their own rights and political authority um, over their own people, but were saying we can create a space for the British Crown to exercise authority over its own subjects. And you can see then that, that that's consistent with what's guaranteed in Article 2, which is the tino rangatiratanga for Māori. So that, um, again, the base word is rangatira, so chieftain, chief rangatiratanga, chieftainship, tino rangatiratanga, tino is an intensifier, so it's all those very special qualities of chieftainship or absolute chieftainship. And so that's being guaranteed to Māori. So we have a situation where you have these two spheres of influence or authority that are being set up, kāwanatanga and tanga. And what, what Te Tiriti says is that both of those 
spheres of authority, spheres of influence are going to be able to operate here in Aotearoa. And of course, the third article dealing with um, ensuring a, a kind of promise to Māori that, that they would also have all the rights and privileges of British subjects as well. So it's an agreement between Māori, uh, the rangatira who signed on behalf of their hapu or iwi, and the British Crown for this shared authority in Aotearoa. David Seymour's promise of a referendum looking at the principles of the treaty is seen as a dismantling of that. Yes, so the principles of the treaty has been a kind of legal mechanism uh, by which Māori have been able to achieve some measure of, of influence or to give some effect to the promises or the guarantees in Te Tiriti. But I want to stress that, that the principles are different from Te Tiriti itself and the principles are something which have been created by by our parliament. Uh, so, you know, often we hear David Seymour talk about the fact that parliament hasn't had an opportunity to have a say on this. Well, it was parliament that established this legal uh, construct of the principles of the treaty. And the principles were really, uh, they're the, the Waitangi Tribunal's jurisdiction is, is based around the principles of the treaty. And the Waitangi Tribunal is directed to look at both uh, the English text and the Māori text of the treaty uh, in order to determine and apply those principles. And so the tribunal's been at that work for nearly 50 years, uh, and we started to see as as Parliament introduced this concept of treaty principles into other pieces of legislation, we've started to see that come up in the ordinary courts as well. And so particularly from the late 1980s onwards, uh, we've seen our... Um, you know, the High Court, Court of Appeal, and now Supreme Court dealing with uh, this question of, of the principles of the treaty. I mean, if we don't have the principles of the treaty, what does that mean for so many things? Like, for example, employment contracts or public service contracts or tenders. Will there be a direct impact on things like that? Yeah, so I think one of the really uh, complicated things about about what uh, is being proposed is that if you start to change the kind of settled understanding or meaning of the principles of the treaty in a, as a legal technical term, um, then that does have an impact on the meaning of a whole lot of pieces of legislation. Uh, and, and, and as you say, there are other policy documents and sometimes uh, em- employment agreements too, which will refer to that that phrase as well and use it as a as a legally defined term. And so that would create a whole lot of uncertainty as the courts would have to then re-engage and say, well, okay, we know that this term, the principles of the treaty, Parliament have directed us to give meaning to it, which is different to the meaning that we've been applying for the last nearly 40 years. If it gets all the way, does that mean that we'd have to start again with a lot of these, with a lot of legislation? Well, it, it, it would mean that the meaning and application of a whole range of legislation would become uncertain because this 
clearly the government would be indicating we've got a new definition for what treaty principles are, a definition which I might add doesn't really bear much relationship to the text of Te Tiriti itself or even to the way the principles have been applied for the last 40 years. And we saw that in the uh, leaked um, Ministry of Justice paper that comment was made. The legal document from the Ministry of Justice leaked to One News warns the government's proposed principles are at odds with both the spirit and text of the treaty. One example is the coalition's version of Article 2, which says the government will honour all New Zealanders in the chieftainship of their land and property. But the leaked document says that was an exclusive agreement between the Crown and Māori. It would mean that... The application of all those pieces of legislation, and we're talking about some major pieces of legislation like the Conservation Act, for example, has a really strong treaty principles provision in it. But there's a huge range um, that the meaning of those treaty principles clauses would become uncertain because there's this new definition, but the courts would have to work through, well, how do we apply that new interpretation um, in a way which is consistent with the statute, our other principles of statutory interpretation, also what our other precedent has been, even though that's been working in a different context in terms of um, not having a specific definition from Parliament about what those principles are. Can you be a bit more specific about what kind of impact it might have on on your iwi, for example? What it means for a start is that our our um, treaty settlement, although the government's been said, well, we're not going to interfere with treaty settlements, actually where our treaty settlement legislation refers to treaty principles, the fact that our claims that were settled were all based on the tribunal's jurisdiction of treaty principles means that there is some concern about what that might uh, mean about our relationships with uh, with local government or the Department of Conservation uh, or any, any of the other government agencies that we have particular relationships with coming out of that settlement about the way in which the legal framework might require them to consult with us, to take into account our particular values or associations with a particular site if we're talking about co-management of a particular uh, area within the conservation estate, for example. I think one of the things that came through loud and clear in our hui was that because there are so many issues within these coalition agreements, within the government's policy programme, that uh, seem to be undermining of Māori rights um, or an attack on Te Tiriti or Manamutuhake um, or on Te Rio in particular, that this is being felt as a real all-out attack. I think it's a fairly direct attack on Māori. I would say it's by far the most direct attack legally in the last 20 years, if not longer. So we have the hui in Tūranga Waiwai and a huge turnout for it and a lot of talk about kotahitanga, unity. But the Māori King also talked about... We need to get to some solution. It's nice to see everybody, but we don't want to just kōrero. We need a way forward that brings kotahitanga to all of Aotearoa. So what would that solution be? What, I mean, what do people want... So, again, one of the things that has come through very strongly 
in the hui that I've been part of is to focus on mana motuhake or tino rangatiratanga, so that Māori self-determination. And so, in a sense, there's there's been um, a real push to not be constrained by what the government is doing, not buy into some of the debates and the arguments and the framing of these discussions that, that the government is trying to establish because they are hostile towards Māori. Um, and rather to think about, well, what are the ways in which we can assert our own mana motuhake? There are some you know, very simple things uh, that Tuhaitia mentioned about how we might go about being Māori in an everyday kind of way. Be who we are, live our values, speak our reo, care for our mokopuna, our awa, our maunga, just be Māori. Māori all day, every day, we are here, we are strong. For those people who are real experts in te reo Māori, they might be using it all the time and encouraging others to use it. For, for those like myself who are you know, very much on my reo journey still, it's what, what steps are we going to take to use more um, and to ensure that we are demonstrating confidence in ourselves as um, a distinct cultural people? You know, It, it is also important, I think, and, and the numbers that attended the hui at Turanga Waiwai, I think, make this clear. It's important to really call out the government on, on these questions too, though, on these issues, because I think we need to be clear that the government's policy programme is an attack on Māori. It is anti-Māori. It is racist. It is anti-Tetiriti. Um, and we need to be really clear about that and make sure that that is visible um, to all New Zealanders, uh, because I don't think that's the direction that uh, most New Zealanders want want to be travelling on. And so I think it's important that we understand that as a whole, this government's policy programme is very hostile towards Māori, and deliberately so. Tama Potaka, the Māori Development Minister, the new Māori Development Minister, David Seymour, both Māori. There must be other Māori who, (laughs) I mean, well, are there other Māori who agree with them? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are. Um, I, those are not voices that I've I've heard in the hui that I've been at. In, in the hui that I've been at, they have been unanimous in rejecting the government's uh, policy programme and being clear about the fact that it is uh, an anti-Māori programme. Every platform, every forum, uh, we will use in order to ensure that our rights under the Treaty of Waitangi are protected. And the overall message, is it leave the treaty alone? Oh, absolutely. So you, you might have seen the, the phrase, I think, toitu tetiriti. The tetiriti stands and will not be tampered with or interfered with. One of the things that I, that I always come back to with tetiriti is that it provides some of the mechanisms and the foundations for how we get these relationships right and how we work through the issues that we all need to confront, particularly around the environment and climate change. We need to find new ways of working, different ways of decision-making, and Tetiriti provides the framework and the mechanisms um, to do that. Well, this story is developing by the day, and I went back to Cowan a few days later, after Ratana, when the Prime Minister said the Treaty Principles Bill would go no further than the first reading.
Christopher Luxon has talked about the fact that you know his position has always been that he's been opposed to having a referendum that it would be unhelpful and divisive and that was his position before the election we now have a government uh, his government is committed to supporting the introduction of a bill which does precisely that also i've seen his language shifting a lot you know he moves from being opposed to this to saying that well we're only committed to uh, the select committee stage and has has been quite reluctant to definitively rule out moving past that stage you know i i remain quite concerned that we do progress from that and we do move towards a referendum. Isn't debate and discussion at that level, even even if it went to the first reading only, isn't that healthy? I mean, you know, Shane Jones, the New Zealand First Deputy Leader, said it. No iwi, no New Zealander should fear debate. The principles of the Treaty of Waitangi are part of our political system. And politics is all about debate. And I was mandated on behalf of the electorate as a part of New Zealand First to ensure that the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi do not overwhelm, undermine or erode democracy. Absolutely. Debate and constructive conversation is a good thing. I've spent most of my professional career trying to give people good information and give them the tools to engage in discussion and conversation about Tetriti and so I think constructive conversation is good. The the real difficulty is, of course, is that what this referendum process or this Treaty Principles Bill would be setting up is not a constructive conversation. Um, for a start, one of the things would that you would need for a constructive conversation is for it to be grounded in good information. You know, even the Ministry of Justice is saying the principles that are being proposed are not connected to reality. They're not derived from Tetriti or the way in which the principles have been applied. But also, if you wanted to have a genuine, constructive conversation, one of the things that you might do would be to engage with those people whose rights are going to be most affected by the outcome of the discussion. But what you wouldn't do is you wouldn't promote a referendum that forces people into a kind of simplistic binary positions. And in any case, the, the meaning of Tetriti can't actually be changed by uh, a, a popular vote. Uh, you know, you've got an agreement that's signed by two parties, and I think it would be an act of extreme bad faith for one of the parties to try and change the meaning or application of that uh, agreement in that way. That's it for today. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by Phil Benj and produced by Alexia Russell and Gwen McClure. Thanks to Carwin Jones. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Mā te wā.